Hi everyone, welcome to this edition of Human Wisdom Life. And today I'm joined by Bhargavi Raman, who's an expressive arts therapist and a mindfulness coach from Bangalore and guests from around the world. So welcome. Today we're going to be talking about how can we use our wisdom to find love in our lives. And it's perhaps the deepest human need that all of us have to live with this love. And yet it eludes so many of us. If you look at the state of human relationships, the statistics are not that encouraging. 50% of marriages end in divorce and 80% of couples who have a living relationship, up to 80%, those relationships don't work out in the, uh, in the first year or the breakup. So today though, we're gonna be focusing on romantic love. This of course includes all aspects, um, all genders, etc. but it's the same principle really for everyone. So please use the chat as we go along to record your comments and your questions. The format is that Vargavi and I will speak for about half an hour, exploring a few common questions. And then we're gonna be opening it up to your questions and comments. And we hope the whole um, event will wrap up in an hour. So Vargavi, welcome. Do you wanna start the ball rolling? Thank you, Manoj. Thanks for having me here. Um, before we jump into a conversation, I thought we might just want to land into the space and just take a couple of minutes to just arrive and center ourselves and so that we can be fully present. Yeah. Hi, Sujit. Um, okay, so maybe I'll invite you all to get comfortable in your chairs. And if you'd like to place your feet on the ground, just feeling the earth beneath the feet and the support that we're having today, maybe the backrest of the chair, just feeling into the space around us, it's taking a minute to acknowledge the objects around in our space, if there are people or pets, just noticing there are sounds around you, just noticing the sounds. And inviting us to tune into our breaths as it is. Perhaps it's shallow or it's deep. Perhaps it's long and slow or it's quick. Just noticing the current state of our breath. And getting a sense of our bodies in space. How do my arms feel and my legs feel and how does my torso feel, my head feel today in this moment? If you'd like to close your eyes, if that helps. And since we're talking about love today, it's just inviting us to feel into the heart space noticing what a heart feels like.
perhaps a sensations or a feeling, or maybe a color. And when you feel you've checked in, I invite us back to this space, to this Zoom call, to maybe open our eyes, to make eye contact with the ones who are here. And if you'd like to, to share in the chat box what you sensed into your heart, a word or a phrase. Thank you, Bhargavi. That's really nice thing to do. We should do this uh, on all our calls. Okay, so the first question, I guess, for us all to ask is, do we consider ourselves worthy of love? Because there are so many people with low self-esteem issues and so on that we don't even go looking for love. You know, we don't open our hearts to it. We think, why should I subject myself to the pain and uncertainty of it? I'm just going to keep my heart closed. How can we address that? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's a big question, Manoj. I think a lot of us um, are working through it or at some stages of accepting that we are worthy of love. Yes. Um, but I want to say at the beginning that I think it's a fundamental birthright that each of us have mm. to be deserving of love. Mm. And um, uh, maybe just inviting us to just feel into that mm. uh, today before we begin our call. I know that it's, it doesn't come sometimes very easily and naturally, and that's part of our um, life's work, I suppose. But maybe even to just imagine that we're worthy of love. Yes. And I think it's something that can come to us at any age. You, know? you don't have to be you know, young, you could be old. And because... Some people think they might not have the right personality or the right looks or body shape, or they may not feel others might find them attractive enough. And so they might just sort of close their hearts to it. But I would invite everyone to open your heart to the possibility of love and allow yourself to be vulnerable. And this is one of the things we're going to explore. How can we prepare ourselves to meet love when it arrives? Or what can we do to be the best version of ourselves so that when uh, we meet somebody, we uh, meet them with really the best version of ourselves? So perhaps we could begin, Bhargavi, by asking, uh, talk, let's talk about being happy in yourself because that's such an attractive trait. We think that our looks are attractive, but actually it's the happiness within us that is most attractive to others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think Manoj that also, um, maybe I'd like to just define or, or you know, contextualize this discussion to say that um, when we ask the question, how do we find love? You know, often the answer is where do I look for it? Like what dating apps should I be on? Or, um, or you know, how do I find the right person among so many people I meet, etc. So um, just to, say that this discussion probably is not going to be about that you know not it's not really about how to find love externally 
um, where to look for it as such, but how do we uh, use wisdom really, right? Because yes. we are talking about our human wisdom here to um, attune ourselves in a way that we're able to receive it when it comes. Yes. And, um, and also when we look at the idea of resonance, right? When we are ready for love, um, it's going to resonate in our field and love is going to come. But, and then are we then willing, are we ready to accept it? Are we ready to uh, give, give it? Because love is a two-way street. Yes. Right? And, and that, that's, that's where I think what you said, Manoj, is uh, spot on, right? It's, it's about, it's attractive when, when we find someone who's, who's happy in themselves, who seems to be at peace with themselves, or, you know, and, and we know that about others, right? That when, when you find somebody who's content in themselves, we're like, oh, that's such a, a person that I'm drawn to. Yes. Yeah. And so the question is, how do we become that way? Right? How do we come to? So I think the rest of our conversation might be premised around that. That's right. So, okay. So we've come first step to regard yourself as worthy. Doesn't matter about who you, you know, what you look like, your body shape, you're completely worthy and accept that first thing. The second thing is our mind, the way it works, assumes that love is about finding the right person. That's the first thing we look for. But just turn it the other way around. It's also about being the right person so that when you do go out into the world looking, if you're the right person, love will find you. And so, okay, so being happy in yourself is, is the first step, perhaps, and mm -hmm. um, most attractive. Um, now, what does it mean to be happy in yourself? Do you think loving yourself is part of that? And what does that mean to love yourself as you are? Yeah. Um, in order to find love and then to keep love in our lives, right? Um, it, it, it means that we're also going to be giving love, yeah. right? It's, um, it's not just... Uh, oh, I have a need and I need someone to come and fulfill that need, right? And that's a that's not really love. That's um, that's perhaps uh, something else, you know? Uh, it's a demand. It's a demand that somebody um, care for me or love me or hold me a certain way or do things for me, right? So mm -hmm. love is a two-way street, right? And, um, and so developing the capacity to love means developing the capacity of love independently in oneself yes. and and that's where we and that's why it's so important to uh, love yourself although it's a very cliche term right love yourself everybody says that but but what does that really mean and I think it's worth unpacking uh, what it really means uh, to love yourself and I'd love to hear what everybody has to say uh, in the chat um, you know in what way does that sit with you um, mm -hmm. Yes. How do you? How do the people here assembled think we can love ourselves? And just put your comments in the chat, please. But perhaps the first step is to accept ourselves as we are, as we look, in terms of our income, our possessions, what we're doing with our lives, our jobs, and just realize deep down we're all the same human being as everyone else, and. Um, you know, this idea of criticizing yourself too much, uh, that's also comes in the way of uh, loving yourself, I guess. 
and looking after yourself, you know, eating the right food, exercise, sleep, emotional regulation. Anything else we can think of, Bhargavi, in terms of, because unless you love yourself, you really aren't ready to love anybody else, are you? Mm -hmm. I'm seeing some, some lovely messages here, which I'm going to read out, if that's okay, Manoj. Yes. Um, Radhika says, forgive ourselves for our shortcomings and embracing the concept of kinsuki, right? Which is um, that we've been wounded and maybe there are things that are not perfect about yeah. us. And um, I think what she's really referring to is this critical voice that sometimes is in our minds, this inner critic that's constantly going, oh, you're not good enough, or, you're not worthy of love, or, you know, you're not have, you don't have enough money, or you don't have a house, or this or that, or, you know, and, and to just work with that and calm it down and say, it's okay, you know, I, I know you have all these criticisms of me, but can, can we reorient that? I think, you know, reframing the inner critic is an important part of accepting yes. ourselves. In fact, um, the inner critic is sometimes more powerful than any outer critic, right? Yeah. And just to realize that our inner critic is based on the difference between some imagined state of how we would like to be and who we actually are. Yes. And Dominic there says, remove our self-judgment where yeah. we're judging ourselves. So I think the second part of accepting ourselves is, is really that is to is to change judgment into um, this is who I am and just the facts, you know, and that's okay. And a more compassionate voice to replace judgment maybe with self-compassion. That's I think the second piece there. Um and um, and I think the other part of this is to not compare ourselves. Comparative thoughts is another big one. You know, we're like, oh, that person has so much more than me, or that person's prettier, or that person speaks better than me, or, you know, et cetera. So comparative thoughts is another big bug that comes in the way of uh, yeah. full acceptance of the self. Okay. So I think when we, when we work through this, we're able to tap into a deeper part of ourselves that allows us to be when we're more accepting of ourselves, we're able to therefore be more vulnerable. And that vulnerability is essential. Vulnerability with ourselves first, that we can then be vulnerable, then that's when love becomes possible, right? Yes, yes. That's a beautiful word, when love becomes possible. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we've started off by saying that everyone should regard themselves as worthy of love and then realize it's about being loving and the right person, not just finding the right person. And we begin by saying we need to accept and love ourselves before, and as someone said, reach for the, give ourselves the oxygen mask in the aircraft before you can help others. And maybe mm -hmm. part of this Bhargavi involves letting go of the ideals, which are all conditioned from our external environment of who we would like to be. The ideal of the body shape, the ideal of the personality and the income and the, you know all of that status etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm -hmm. because if you're happy in yourself the light within you shines and that is the most attractive thing for anybody else it's like a lighthouse you know um, mm -hmm. okay what about mm -hmm. moving on now let's talk about making peace with our past because that's the other thing that gets in the way because if your mind is preoccupied with its own emotional pain, there's going to be no space for you to love another person, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. how can we do that? What can we do to overcome and make peace with our past traumas? 
Yeah, I think the first step may be to acknowledge that, hmm. that there's wounding. And I think all of us are wounded at some level or the other. Yes. And we're all in different stages of the journey of healing, healing those wounds. Yes. Um, it, and I think different people have different approaches and different ways of, uh, of working through their past traumas, right? And again, I'm interested to know what the community here uh, has to offer in terms of what they've been doing. Um, as a therapist myself, I know that I sit with individuals and just sit with the pain, um, acknowledge it, feel it, and release it, express it. Those are ways in which one can, you know, make conscious these wounds. And once once it's conscious, it's already healing. Um, you know, uh, so that's I think. Sorry, please continue. No, 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 please tell me. No, I was going to say. Now that's the core of the human wisdom approach, which is to make the unconscious processes in our thinking conscious. Yeah. And when you make it conscious, then you can sort of deal with it. I mm -hmm. think one of the things I've found in dealing with past, with any emotional pain, is my mind automatically blames others for how I'm feeling. Mm. And that may or may not be true, but if I'm going to heal myself, I need to begin by taking ownership of my own feelings. They are arising from me. They're a reaction from my thinking to what's happened. And we actually have a beautiful big podcast on healing emotional pain. So I'll refer people to that because that's so much more we can explore there. But just mm -hmm. this business of making peace with ourselves and our past pain helps to prepare ourselves to meet love, right? Otherwise... yeah. Um, it's a it's the most important piece I think in 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 being able to invite love into our lives because it is it is directly related to our capacity to love to be able to give love yeah. if we're wounded and then then our cup is empty and then all we're like doing is fill my cup fill my cup you know give yeah. me it's it's a very demanding approach whereas if our cup is full where we're where we've done the work and we've sat with ourselves and given ourselves enough love and enough healing, then our cup is full to be able to give and to receive. Yes. Uh, it's a very big distinction. I think the, the two things are opposites. Yes, we had talked about it. So in fact, say if I'm looking for love and you're looking for love and both of us are meet and we are looking for love, who's going to do the loving? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Somebody needs to be able to do the loving. And that's really the capacity we need to build. And that's how wisdom can help us be yes. the best version of ourselves and be this loving person. So when we yes. meet somebody, we have a cup that is overflowing. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people get the definition of love wrong, right? And often it's a trauma bond where both people have needs and both are pulling, pulling, demanding. And it gets into a lot of conflicting emotions and, and tricky situations and, and a lot of unpleasantness for both people. And that's not really love. That's an unhealthy attachment. Yes. So to distinguish the two becomes very... doesn't useful. last, you see. That doesn't last. Yeah. But at its core, perhaps, love is just the capacity to care for another person. You know? mm -hmm. And we have to ask ourselves in our day-to-day -day lives, how much do we actually care practically not just oh i the words are different but i'm saying in terms of actions yeah do we and take people for granted and so on you know right and care has other dimensions also manoj which i think is worth mentioning right um we can only care impractically to an, of another person when we are caring for ourselves and that means 
Am I eating on time? You know, basic things. Do, am I giving my body enough, uh, act, enough activity? You know, is my blood flowing well? Am I breathing well? Do I have enough people in my life? Um, you know, do I have a community of care around me that can hold me in difficult times? And all of these resources, resourcing oneself becomes important to be able to care also. Um, yeah, so those are many dimensions of care. I think that's a whole, another whole conversation in itself. So before we look for love, we have to ask ourselves, what is my capacity to care? Because if I don't have this capacity to care, and it's a skill after all, you know, small acts of kindness. Do I practice that now with the people I already know? Yeah. And maybe we can use our wisdom to realize that our mind is constantly preoccupied with itself, right? We're always thinking about thinking about our mind is constantly thinking. And if you think, if you look at what it's thinking about, mostly it's thinking about itself. So unless we wake up to that, when we meet somebody, we're not really going to have that space to love or care for, for other people. So what are the skills do you think we need? What are, we, what are the skills we can develop in ourselves using our own awareness and wisdom to give us the best chance of finding love in our lives? Mm -hmm. um, I think a framework that may be useful to look at the skills we need is like an inside out approach um, where we might want to acknowledge that deep down we have emotional needs, both of us have emotional needs so that's the core the intrinsic part of it then there's the layer of feelings to be able to navigate our feelings and to be able to regulate our feelings and then having this these two levels of awareness then the, the level of communication where we're then communicating you know um communicating our feelings our needs are able to listen and receive uh, what the other person's feelings are what the other person's needs are nice. um I think all the three are quite important yes. uh, to develop skills at all three levels. Cameron had a point in his in the chat saying he's scared to talk to women. I guess everyone's come to this point in their life, at lives at some point. We're scared of love, aren't we? We're scared of talking to people saying, I like you. Would you like to would you know meet up with me and do something or whatever? Um, so I guess one of the first things we need to overcome is our fear, right, uh, because that's probably the one thing that holds people back from opening their heart to love. Mm. Will someone love me? Will they say no? What's the worst that can happen? People will say no, and that's it. That's fine, because, you know, you don't like everybody in the world, and you can't expect the whole world to like you. So we just have to accept that, right? But it's not easy. As Jenny said, there's this fear of rejection. What do you think is behind that, though? Shall we just open that up a little? Why do we expect everybody to like us or want everyone to like us? Mm. It's I think to, right? Yeah, I think to be liked and to be loved is a, is a fundamental human need. Mm. And uh, not all of us are fortunate enough to have received that early in our lives so it often leaves us with this gaping hole in our soul I like to call it that because it really feels like that mm. and and that generates patterns and conditionings 
that you know that my life's always going to be like that nobody's going to ever love me or nobody is or i'm too scared if i become vulnerable and open myself and i'll be rejected because that's what we you that's what we our earlier experiences might have been and that's how conditioning gets formed so i think it's really important to sit down and look at it like radhika said it writing really helps her um johnny said talking to his coach can help him see through some of these things um we all have different modalities of doing inner work but sitting acknowledging that i have this fear it's been driving my life and it's not giving me the life i want to live is reason enough to sit with it and work through it and well, as we work through it it's going to shift yeah. things are going to change but johnny and i did a big uh, live show on um, fear and anxiety and it's a podcast available through the human wisdom app so please have a look at that because that's the subject that uh, takes its we could talk for hours just on fear but it's something we need to address and overcome if we are to begin this journey of of loving people yeah. let's take a minute to talk about communication Bhargavi, because that's such a key part we need to develop our communication skills don't we um and it's a skill we need to develop because it's not something that comes naturally to us listening for example yeah um absolutely manoj i think i just want to acknowledge um there's lots of very interesting questions and ideas in the chat and i i think we'll get a chance to look at that uh, after we finish our conversation yeah. um communication right yeah um i think listening listening is the really big one yeah. and listening actively i mean and this applies both to oneself and another and the other right both ways um actively what is this person saying am i distracted am i checking my phone when the other person is talking am i checking out am i and those things can happen quite unconsciously because yes so that an empathetic listening i think is another one am i listening for what's not being said am i and listening the for behind the words that's exactly the, what is and the even person? the needs Yeah. the needs behind those words yes yes someone might be just saying clean the kitchen but actually behind that is so much there could be lots of other things going on which we are not tuned into you know mm -hmm. um, so um yes so and we the have other, more communication and the other one now. is Sorry. um the other one is uh, speaking right like listening is one part of communication the other is what do we say to the other person so are we speaking with care are we speaking with dignity and respect for the other person or are we just speaking directly from our wounds which can come across and i think there's a question there why am i um why do i show negative emotions in front of the people we love right it, it often because we feel comfortable we just say things that may be hurtful or demeaning to the other person so are we exercising enough care and caution i think these are all skills around communication to build i think one question i always ask myself which serves me really well is how is this going to be received mm. and the moment i ask myself that question it opens up a little bit of space then i can ask myself is this the right way to strike time to say something the right way how am i feeling if i'm irritated it's going to communicate itself etc so these are really important skills listening speaking with care and um, instead of being automatically critical ask ourselves in our daily conversation how easily we are critical of others yeah and how badly we react when people are critical of us <laughs> so see that uh, you know imbalance really we really easily critical of others but respond poorly when we criticize ourselves 
Why do you think we treat our closest people worse than we treat our friends? Hmm. Right? Because that's quite common in relationships and something to be aware of before you begin looking for love. Yeah. I think um, we build a certain degree of comfort with the people we love. And so we can be more vulnerable with them. And um, it may not be very conscious also. It may be just that I'm feeling comfortable so I can just say anything, you know? It is to some extent, to some degree, taking the other person for granted. Yes. yes. Right. And um, recognizing that is, is, is important because we, we're actually jeopardizing the relationship when we do that unconsciously because the other person can only take so much, right? So to, to recognize that this is another human being with their own needs and, the, and they have their own feelings. And yes, I can be comfortable and direct. That being direct is okay. But if I'm dumping all my negative feelings on my partner, that's problematic. So yes. I need to be working. I need to be ho having the capacity to hold the negative feelings in me and work through it and then communicate it gently to the other person rather than expecting that this other person's going to be my container for all my negativity, just dump it on them. Well, you know what I think is we all walk around with all these expectations and think, ah, if I meet this person I'm going to fall in love with, actually, they're going to meet all my expectations. So you take this and just dump it, as you say, all on them. And they dump it on us. And of course, that's not a really good start to any relationship. So maybe we can end this set part of the conversation Bhargavi, by exploring our emotional needs, which we're not aware of, right? Mm. Which we expect other people to meet. You know, the need to be listened to, understood, to be loved, for affection, to feel important, for power, all of those things. Mm. I have my needs, I expect you to meet them, you have your needs, you expect me to meet yours. And if we meet each other's needs, we say we love each other. And if we don't, we say no, I'm falling out of love with you. Just to be aware of that process going on in the background, because that can derail relationships quite quickly, can't it? Yes. Yes. Uh, I think this circles us back to the place where we started this discussion from, Manoj. Um, Rather than projecting our needs onto the other person and having all these expectations of the partner, can we come back and ask ourselves, how am I meeting my needs? How am I taking care of myself? Yes. Yes. Am I accepting that I have anger? Am I accepting that I have fear? How am I holding that? How am I holding my feelings? Have I developed the skills to be able to work through them and regulate them? and find ways of meeting those needs that are not demanding of my partner. Yes. Um, I think it's that shift that makes love possible, the real love, you know? Yes. So the fewer our expectations that we have as we enter a relationship, the more likely it is to be successful. And as you say, you need a, you can have a community of people where all your expectations are spread out, so it's not just focused on one person. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's the point that's, um, you know, the world, all, all our media and all of these things really don't give enough credit to that, this community of care. And, they, and all, the, all that's fed to us is this one person who's going to enter your life and everything's going to be sorted, right? In reality, that's really not the case. Like we need our, we need friends and we need other people to 
distribute, like you said, our needs. And rather than having this one person and overloading the relationship with so many expectations. I, I was very uh, excited about this subject. I'm, I'm sorry to come late. I had a, a last minute client I had to take care of, but this is a very uh, important subject to me. In this country, I, I, I want to put it out there that I often refer to this idea of expectation that you and I talk about a lot has been in our country, I call it the Disneyfication of America because the Disney model is that there is someone coming to rescue me. There is someone coming to make everything right. There's someone coming who will complete me. Hmm. And it has caused a great deal, I think, of conditioning to believe the other instead of yourself is responsible for that. Yes. I think the thing also to realize is everything you feel may not be true. <laughs> Feelings are not always true. I mean, take fear, for example, is a common one. We're afraid of something, but the danger it points to may not be real. Similarly, when you feel this connection with somebody, and there's so many stories of people who have been in a relationship, they meet someone else, they feel a connection, off they go, and within a few months realize ah, that's not really what they imagined it to be in the beginning. So just to have some doubt about it and question it, you know. Right. Uh, Manoj, I, I might qualify that. I, I, don't, I wouldn't say the feeling is not true. The feeling is true, yes. like because the experience is real. Yes. Uh, but the imagination that that leads to may not be true. You know, yes. or, or the conclusions that we draw from that may not be true. Yes, yes. Feelings are powerful, you know, and as you know, love is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So no question. Um, well, I, I suppose um, a lot of what I find is that um, most people don't know how to feel anything. Most people are completely detached from their feelings and emotions mm. and everything is going on from the mind. Mm. Um, this has happened through, you know, whatever childhood experiences and the programming and conditioning that um, we have now grown up in a mode of protection mm. and we're in protection mode you know, the majority of the time, but protection means closed heart. Yes. Close it off, build a wall around me and protect me from everybody because the world is a dangerous place and it may cause fear, anxiety, sadness, all the things that my, my mind is telling me is, are dangerous. I need to run away and, and protect myself from that. So in turn, we're also blocking the positive joy, bliss, love um, yeah. from ourselves and in sharing, in feeling it from others um, and in sharing it with others. Yes. And so I um, came to a moment where I realized that I had been living in this mm. state and um, I was speaking in our breakout room about the fact that I came to a moment when I realized I had never loved I didn't know how to love um, myself uh, or anybody um, 
but even my children, I thought that I loved them, but it was from my mind. I loved them because I was their mother and I knew that I loved them. I would die for them. I would do anything for them. But that wasn't love. It was knowing I loved them intellectually, but I didn't feel it until I began to accept myself, accept the world, accept the situation, you know, and only, as you said, Manoj, when you accept, can you be open to love, to loving yourself, to loving anybody. Um, The moment, as Donal said, the moment we're in a state of rejection about anything in the world, any body, any action, if we're in rejection of it, then that's where our energy is. And it's closing us off to acceptance. Yes. So you said two really beautiful things. One is our mind is protective. So we create this wall and behind that wall, we're lonely and we yearn for love, right? Yeah, and we can't understand why why nobody loves us because we think we're so loving because in our mind, we are. Yes, it's all all in our head. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, And the longest journey is from the mind to the heart. Yes. Yes. And it's a healing journey that, you know, is, is worth every moment. Good time to remind ourselves what a beautiful thing love is. It's worth fighting for. It's worth growing for. It's worth overcoming all our fears for. You know. Yeah. It's fragrance that really, uh, yeah, it's being like in a garden with fragrance. It's beautiful. Um, And uh, I guess I wish we'd known all the things we do now that when we were younger, so that we wouldn't have made the the same mistakes. And I hope someone listening uh, will learn all this before uh, the challenges come. But the mind thinks it's all from the outside, you know, the traumas, the experiences, the programming, the mind says that's everybody else's fault. Yes. Yes. You know, so that holds us back completely from acceptance so the first step is to accept that nobody's to blame for how i'm feeling and i'm not to blame either it's just the way my mind is wired the human mind is like that once we wake up and shine a light into all the things we're talking about one other thing came up as you were talking rebecca is about to understand our own condition because that's so powerful and yet we become attached to that condition so smallest things like how we want the dishwasher stacked (laughs) how we want house to be, and all of those little things start dividing us from other people. So unless we can recognize our own conditioning at depth, uh, we're going to be a real pain to be around, right? Because they're (laughs) going to constantly be critical of people who are different. We've got some other guests. So Nikita, would you like to share something? Nikita? It's all, all right. right. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I've got like a lot of background noise actually. I'm actually trying to see how else can I connect. Ah, okay. You have a connection issue? All right. Um, Myri? Uh, 
I'll probably type. Hi, I'm, I'm actually in a coffee shop and it, I, I didn't realize it was going to be interactive. And I'm really sorry. I'll join another time, hopefully, to, for an event where I can actually talk more freely. But I'm actually in a coffee shop at the moment. So I'm really sorry. I, I no, don't no, think I can. So, I'll just yeah. leave it open okay. in case anyone else wants to uh, come in um, and say something. You'd be very welcome to. Um, okay, so Bhargavi, do you want to just, shall we just go over? summarize the key points that we have explored today and uh, maybe i'll add a couple go ahead you're on mute yeah 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 um well i think we started off by look saying that loving is a two-way street that receiving love means also giving love so that means developing the capacity to love mm -hmm. and that brought us to the need to then love ourselves to be able to develop that capacity. And then we looked at what that could be. And we came to working through our past pain to be able to find that wellspring of love, to have a full cup, to be able to give, yes. um, to be able to be vulnerable. Yeah. And to have, to be able to take care of ourselves. We, we looked at the capacity to care. So and Yes. Yeah. And um, and then we looked at the skills that we need to be able to love the acknowledging of our emotional needs, of our uh, feelings um, and everything that blocks us to, to, to develop that discerning mind where we can work through these things so that we are open, open hearted and then communication. We looked at listening and speaking. Uh, as all the all the all the all the skills around finding love. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we uh, we didn't have time, but uh, if you would like the Human Wisdom app, by the way, is free to download and browse. It has a big module on love, so please explore that for yourselves on love, emotional needs, communication, all the things we've talked about today. But maybe I'd like to end with one or two things or key things. The first is. We have a hole in our heart, which we expect other people to fill. That's really why we go looking for love. And that's why we often fail, because we, we haven't worked on ourselves to grow as human beings, to have that love to offer others. So maybe that's the first step to grow as a human being. But one other huge area is love and relationships are an opportunity for learning and for growth. We seek relationships to meet our emotional needs, to make us feel good inside. And that's all we are looking for. We want someone else to make us feel good inside. But relationships offer the opportunity for learning and growing as a human being. And that, I think, is a real prize of a successful relationship. And that's why relationships are so important. This podcast came to you from the Human Wisdom Project. To find out more, please download the Human Wisdom app or visit humanwisdom.me. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.